The connection between you and your therapist matters. That's why Alma focuses on helping you find the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search by what you want to focus on, like anxiety, relationships, or big life transitions. You can also specify preferences around gender, race, faith, and more to help you find someone who's more likely to understand where you're coming from. Alma also makes it easy for therapists to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of providers in their directory accept insurance for sessions, so you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash not just anyone to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash not just anyone. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Year's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. And now, your host, Matthew Kanata, joined by co-hosts, Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is Matt Kanata. I'm joined by Josh Houts and Aaron Sutton. And we are at a standstill in terms of the Miami Dolphins and all the news floating around. Yes, some rumors coming out, nothing official. Obviously, as we talked about in the past few shows, Brian Flores the current Patriots de facto defensive coordinator and linebackers coach expected to be named the next head coach of the Miami Dolphins. As soon as the Patriots season is over rumor names coming out, such as Jim Caldwell, Tim Graham, guys like Brett Belima, other guys coming in as well. Obviously nothing's official until Brian Flores comes on, but we do know general manager, Chris Greer is bringing on assistant general manager, Marvin Allen from the Buffalo bills, who also spent time with the Kansas city chiefs, Atlanta Falcons and others. Also, in the terms of Miami Dolphins news, it's really more of the same of, you know, where do the Dolphins go from here? But one big sticking point is that they reportedly told coaching candidates during their interviews for the head coach position that they would be tanking in all terms and purposes. And for a lack of better words, basically in 2019, so they can get a top quarterback in 2020. 
We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. On tonight's show, we're also going to talk about inside information. I'm going to give you a little bit of a primer about it and what it really means and how it all works because some may think that it's just out there in plain sight. The sources just come out and say, this is what's happening, but that's really not always the case. So we'll talk about that, and then we'll wrap up the show with a just a quick rundown of this weekend's championship games. How Sutton? I mentioned the report of the Dolphins tanking brought on by Adam Schefter of ESPN. The first thing I want to say before I hand it over to you, Houts, for your thoughts on this and whether or not the Dolphins should quote unquote tank for a top quarterback prospect in 2020 like Tua and uh, Justin Herbert, guys like that in the 2020 draft, is there's no such thing as tanking in the NFL, in my opinion. There's You can't tell players to go out and tank. You're not going to tell coaches to go out and tank. But the process that you follow is ultimately going to lead, lead to losses, which basically would be tanking, right? So if you trade all of your high-priced veterans away, if you build a very, very young roster, if you run out there with a quarterback, a mediocre quarterback, a below-average quarterback, all of that process, all of that will lead to losses on its own. I do like the term rebuilding. I know people give crap to the Dolphins about it because they say that they're really tanking. But in my opinion, tanking is purposely going out to lose. You saw it with basketball all the time, 76ers. You saw almost with the Browns, too, where they're trading away everybody and not giving them a chance to even compete. I think the Dolphins will be different because they're laying their foundation for the future with younger guys, but also at the same time looking ahead towards what could be down the road. How's your opinion? I mean, basically straight up, should the Dolphins not try to lose because they're not going to try to lose, but should they follow a process that's going to ensure them the most losses possible to ensure them a shot at one of the top quarterback prospects in the 2020 draft class? Yeah, I don't think anyone can argue that this team, for the better part of their upcoming future, is to find the quarterback. So everyone look at it and say, you know what, if they lose out next season, that, that's going to be the best route towards that. But like you said, no NFL team, no player is going to go out there and try to tank. They're not going to throw the season. I mean, we saw what we did this year. Half our team was missing on you know, injured reserve, and the Dolphins still squeaked out how many wins. So, I mean... There's definitely ways that you can go about this. You know, maybe you don't go out there and sign that high price tag free agent quarterback like a Joe Flacco. But ultimately, I think in the Dolphins' best interest, they need to get a young quarterback. I Obviously, next season, Tua, Herbert, those guys are the, the big names out there. But you have some guys this year that you got to look at. Murray, different different guys in the draft this season. So, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities to go out there. In my opinion, the Dolphins got to – you know, the, the team as a whole is going to go out there and they're going to try their best. But overall, they just need to go out there. They need to play those games and, and hope things work out. In that Schefter report, what it was known is that we're looking for a top 10 pick in 2020. And this draft, the Bears have the, the 10th pick and they finished 6 and 10 this year. Or I'm sorry, not the Bears, the Broncos. So they finished 6 and 10. So realistically, if that's. If those are our ends, we want to finish six and ten, or or worse. I think that could still be kind of hard to do. Uh, we won six games with Jay Cutler. We had some worse stats than the one and fifteen team and won seven games this year. 
we play the Bills and Jets four times, and they're – I don't know. I, I just don't believe in the maturation of those clubs at this particular time uh, and their trajectory. So that could be two wins right there. So then we have to finish four and eight or worse in all the remaining games, which is possible. And what, what you guys are really saying, though, is that we have an interesting dichotomy here. How do we have our young guys compete – at a high level towards winning and how are we going to lose simultaneously? How do we make those things work? So I think communication is going to be huge for this team and how the vision is communicated to the players and how does it resonate with them? I think you could be surprised by some of the professionalism that you could see from some of these young players, despite the circumstances, because, you know, film is currency, no matter what, uh, you know, you can get paid by putting some tape down on film. So there's certainly some self-interested motivation to factor in there. But really, it's tanking is not really what we're doing here. We're we're setting up to fail, basically. So it's there's a difference there. And what you can say is the ends justify the means. And if it takes ruffling some feathers along the way, as long as it results in winning. I don't think anybody's going to care how we got here. You know, one thing, they, they throw out that word rebuild. And when you look at this team, I mean, the offensive line, that needs rebuilt. You know, the defense, they're going from a traditional 4-3 to a 3-4 sort of fit there with, you know, they, they got Flores and they're going to hopefully bring in Balemi or uh, Patrick Graham from the Green Bay, it seems. So, I mean, they're literally rebuilding their defense. They're building their offensive line. So when you hear the word rebuild, I mean, people sit there and think doom and gloom, like the season's going to be – you know, one in 15, it's going to be awful. I mean, you can still rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defense, because that is what this team is doing. They're rebuilding. They're getting rid of some of those high price tag veteran free agents. You know, they're, they're getting rid of the Andre branches. They're going to get rid of these guys that they overpaid for in the past, and they're going to build from within. They're going to fix the offensive line. They're going to fix the defense, completely rebuild it. And I think when you hear the word rebuild, that is what you have to look at. I don't think no matter what this team does, you know, all the injuries that occurred this season, they still overcame them. So why can't the Dolphins go out there next year and, and do the same thing? I mean, this team can can fall into six or seven victories. So I don't think it's in their best interest to to bank on a tank because what happens if you miss out on the TOA? You know, maybe you got Lawrence the next season, but I, I think it you just, you just got to see how this plays out. But it, it's definitely interesting, and I think free agency will kind of give us that answer to see what they do at the quarterback position at those other positions. We'll see how this thing plays out sooner rather than later. Let me ask you guys one quick yes or no question. Is the Dolphins starting quarterback in 2019 currently on the roster? No. No. Yeah, I don't I don't see it. I don't think so. But let me go back to um I mean, because right now you have Jay Grudock, right? You have who they just signed from the Detroit Lions who was under Jim Caldwell, which links Jim Caldwell and all reports are saying Jim Caldwell is joining the Dolphins as some kind of assistant or an associate head coach. We're not sure quite what that is yet. They also have David Fales on the roster, and um, I can't, I don't know off the top of my head if Brock Osweiler is under contract for another year, but Ryan Tannehill is also on, on the roster right now, but I don't think any of them are the starting quarterback. But, Houts, you mentioned uh, Tua Tonga Viola and the chances of the Dolphins getting him. Let's not forget that he's going to be a junior this coming season. So even still, there is no guarantee that he even declares for the NFL draft after next season. His parents 
are very keen on the educational process. So there may be some pushing from his parents to say, stay in school. And for all we know, let's say the Dolphins do finish with the number one pick after the end of next season. Tua and his parents may not want to come to South Florida. So they may say, we're going to go back into the college system and stay at Alabama and not enter the draft. Then the Dolphins consolation prize would be Justin Herbert. Not a bad consolation prize. But then again, who says that Justin Herbert is going to be guaranteed to be a great player? How many quarterbacks do you see coming out of college where you say this guy's going to be the great one, right? Everyone thought it was Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. And everyone said, oh my God, the Buccaneers have the craziest decision to make. Titans are kind of laying low. They're just going to pick the leftover of there. And the Buccaneers picked Jameis Winston. The verdict is still on them, on him. The Titans picked Marcus Mariota. He's been nothing special. Flashback, Peyton Manning. And his name is slipping me right now. Who was the other guy there? That Ryan Leaf. Ryan Leaf. There we go. Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Everyone's saying Ryan Leaf is a can't-miss prospect. This guy is going to light it up in the NFL. People mocked the Colts for taking Peyton Manning. Look what happened. History showed that Peyton Manning was by far the better pick. Look at Robert Griffin and Andrew Luck. Yes, people said that Andrew Luck was going to be a phenomenal quarterback, but it He's, he's an elite quarterback, and he played very well this year, but there was some times there where you say, well, is this guy ever going to play in the NFL again? Because of the shoulder injury, Robert Griffin lasted one season, basically, and has struggled to get back into the starting lineup. There is no guarantee over one person's success. There is no guarantee how they're going to do from one season to the next. And for me, that leads me into this, how it's inside. If the Dolphins have a shot at a quarterback in this coming draft, you pull the trigger 100%. If you have a chance at Kyler Murray, if you have a chance as someone like Dwayne Haskins, if you have a chance as someone like Drew Locke, if you have a chance as someone like Will Greer, some are saying Easton Stick, if you have a chance and you are in love with any of those guys, and A, they're there at 13 when you pick, or B, they're not going to cost a whole ton a lot to move up and get them, you put this rebuild process on Accelerate and you switch gears midstream and you go all in on that quarterback. And then you start because you know that quarterback will struggle in year one. You get your bridge quarterback. He starts as long as he can for this season. You insert the rookie halfway through or even let him sit the whole season if that bridge quarterback is playing well and you accelerate the process. All this talk about Waiting for a quarterback in the 2020 draft, that's nonsense to me. And I really do hope the Dolphins do not go that way this coming season because nothing is guaranteed. Okay, here's the thing for me. I don't think Haskins or Kyler Murray is going to be available at 13. So then we're in the discussion, are we going to take someone like Drew Locke or... Daniel Jones or Easton Stick or someone, some other dark horse candidate at 13. Yeah, I, I don't know if the, if the value is there. Now, one idea that I am rallying around right now is maybe taking a guy on day two and have that person be your bridge quarterback into your 2020 quarterback. So you already have built in 
competition and a built-in backup, ideally, it is almost like the Redskins drafting RG3 and also drafting Kirk Cousins. I don't think anybody at the time thought, oh, well, Kirk Cousins is clearly going to be a better quarterback in the National Football League, but that's exactly what happened. So why not throw multiple darts at the dartboard? I don't think there's anything against it. As many quarterbacks as we've gone through since we've been Dolphins fans, what's what's against trying something a little bit more unorthodox and and doing something like that? Multiple quarterback investments. Yeah, and it's clear that you don't win in the NFL without a quarterback. You know, I don't think anybody would be upset if the Dolphins at least tried to draft someone in those Tannehill years. They just completely ignored the position. I think that was the biggest, you know, the biggest fault from Adam Gase when he got here. But for me, I mean, if a guy like Kyler Murray's there, you pull the trigger. I don't know if Haskins will make it. You know, Drew Locke, someone people are up and down. Daniel Jones, those are some of those first-round guys. But I think you both made a great point. Looking at those day two, and for me, I really like Will Greer. I mean, like you both said, and you touched on it a bit, what's the difference of, you know, tanking with a guy like Fails or Osweiler, who you pretty, the verdict's out on both of them, you know. Luke Falk, you know, he was a camp body, a guy you picked up and, you know, kept around just to maybe bring him in for this year. You got the guy from Michigan who played with Caldwell up there in Detroit with the Lions. I mean, you have these other options, but why not go out there and draft a young guy who, you know, has that boomer bust potential? Because if you draft a Will Greer and, you know, yeah, they, they talk about how he's short and maybe doesn't have an ideal NFL arm, but what if, you know, he comes out here and he starts 10, 12 games and, you know, he plays decent? Then you don't need to get a quarterback the next year. So there's definitely nothing against going out there and trying to get as many quarterbacks as you can because every year, every year, every few years, you see a guy who just comes out of nowhere, a guy who, you know, there for a little Matt Flynn with something. I mean, there are these quarterbacks, Nick Foles. I mean, he's a guy who did nothing with L.A., and now he is just a world beater. He's going to get paid a ton of money because of what he does when games matter. So, I mean, you have these different guys who have potential, and it just takes that coach to bring it out. So maybe the dude from that they got from the Lions, I can't, I can't pronounce his last name, Jake Riddick, whatever it is, you know, what if Jim Caldwell gets the most out of him and he goes out there and plays well? It's not going to happen, but what does it hurt to go out there, draft quarterbacks, and have competition – because whether you get a quarterback this year or next, you're not winning football games. You're not going to be a powerhouse. You're not going to be a consistent winner without a quarterback. So do whatever it takes to, to draft someone this year, next year. Do whatever it takes to find that guy. And when you get that guy, that's when good things will come. As the great Ron Wolf once said, you draft a quarterback every year until you find the right one. Sutton and Houts, you're spot on. And hopefully the Dolphins do follow that. Hopefully Chris Greer Picks a quarterback every year until the Dolphins finally find their guy. There is no harm in doing it, especially when you see the turnover in each year's draft class. So we'll see how this all plays out. I think the report is kind of crazy because the Dolphins have not even finalized their coaching staff yet. The Dolphins have not even finalized their scouting department yet. The Dolphins are you know, deep in to the scouting process so far, but their board is by no way set yet. And as coaches come in, their philosophy will change. As new assistants come in and new people in the scouting department come in, that philosophy will change. So while the Dolphins may have mentioned that in the interview process in terms of you know being patient this coming season, there's going to be losses, yes. But I'm not so sure that they specifically may have said we're getting a quarterback in the 2020 class. But as they say, we'll see how it plays out. It could be a smokescreen. It might not be. We won't know until the draft comes and goes. Any last thoughts on the tanking process, House and Sutton? 
whether we choose to, you know, set things up to fail or like you said, a quarterback falls into our lap and it's the best player available at number 13 and we have to kind of switch gears, you know, that's okay. <laughs> whatever we do, we just need to go 100% whatever we decide to do. Nothing, none of this middle in the road crap. Yeah, and overall, I mean, I know we haven't had our head coach, you know, publicly announced, but uh, just the way the Dolphins seem to be handling things, you know, you keep hearing about a rebuild. It's kind of what we all thought, at least from a structure standpoint. So it's good to see the way the Dolphins went out there. You know, they they interviewed all these different guys. They, they gave everyone an opportunity. They found their man. So it's just it's just a breath of fresh air, and I think we just need to remember as fans that, you know, there's going to be bad before there's good. All right, let's switch gears here and and go into what I promised at the top of the show, and that's in terms of getting inside information because I tweet inside information for all the followers out there. I get inside information. There is a lot of inside information I get that I cannot tweet. There is a lot of inside information that I get that I do tweet. And what I see a lot of the time are people coming to me and saying that I don't know what I'm talking about. How would I know? I live in Connecticut. I'm not down with the team. I'm not close to the team. I supposedly have no connections to the team, blah, 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 blah. And then three days later, two days later, four days later, an hour later, two hours later, a week later, two weeks later, what I said comes true most of the time. Have I missed? Absolutely. Has everybody missed? Absolutely. Rappaport has missed. Schefter has missed. The biggest names out there have missed. And the smallest names out there have missed. It is part of the game. But there is some misinformation out there in terms of the confusion process and how someone gets inside information and and all the connections that are made. And I'll be honest with everybody here. My sources came out of the blue one day. It was really weird. I had one um, back when the Dominican Sioux was coming to the Dolphins. I had one source and one source only. And it wasn't really a good source per se. It wasn't a solid source. There was a possibility of Indomitian Sioux coming to the Dolphins. While everyone else was saying something different, I was getting pounded by people on Twitter, but I stuck with it. But then as people saw me getting pounded, people in the know saw me getting pounded. They would private message me and say, this is really what's going on. You're right with what you're saying. Now, these people, whether they were B reporters or someone connected to the team, I'm not going to say exactly who they were. They had the information too, but they just couldn't tweet it out. And you get that sometimes because a source will tell you, here's what's happening, but don't tweet it out. You cannot say this. It's not for public information yet. And this was what happening with the head coaching search, Brian Flores. And Houston Sutton could vouch as everyone was saying, Chris Richard, Chris Richard, Chris Richard, Chris Richard, all the big guys and everyone else. I was saying Chris Richard too on Twitter and and going with that narrative. But behind the scenes, I was texting Houston Sutton earlier in the week. And I was saying, guys, Brian Flores is most likely the guy here. But I was not allowed to say that because that was not for public consumption yet. I had mentioned when it was kind of finally announced after the Darren Rizzi interview, and I suspect it was not public info because they wanted to respect Darren Rizzi and his interview process. But I, the night before Rizzi's interview, I had made a string of tweets that basically if you read the first letter of every word of the tweet, it spelled out Brian Flores. Now, obviously, in the moment, no one knows what's going on there. 
But it was as a way for me to put that out there and then come back to it and say, listen, I have this. I knew what was going on. I'm leaving this here for you. Look a little closer as we move into the future when I try to drop pins here and there. And how it's in some, and I, I do share stuff with you from time to time. And, you know, we see it come to life. We see other times it doesn't come to life. I know you two have gotten some tidbits here and there from others, and we've either ran with it or haven't ran with it. But you, as someone who doesn't always get inside information, I just want to hear your perspective on how you view it all. And now kind of coming into it with me, how your view has kind of changed a little bit over the over the years. I'd say one major way that it's changed is that inside information sometimes almost isn't in English. Like it's almost in some kind of weird man code or some kind of, it's like leaving a trail of crumbs for you to arrive at the, at the conclusion. It's not just coming out and just telling you and skipping all the foreplay, getting right to the sex. There's a lot of freaking foreplay going on with inside information. So it, it can be almost time consuming trying to connect all the dots that are left for you. Yeah, it's like the Da Vinci Code, it seems like at times, I mean, you just don't know what's going on. I mean, I have no sources. I I just am thankful that, you know, you hear these different things, you know, whether it's on Twitter, Kanata definitely hit that Flores story. I mean, there's there's different. And I think the people that know stuff like messing with us because they know that we don't know. So they kind of like playing these little games to see if they can get you to arrive at what they know without them actually telling you like actually writing the words. Cause that could be damning in itself. Yes. I do get that from some of my guys. It's kind of funny because you're sitting like, just tell me, just tell me, just freaking tell me. And they won't, they'll have me arrive to the conclusion. But then in turn, I bring that out to my Twitter people. And if you pay attention to my Twitter feed, I'm not always quote tweeting. I rarely quote tweet people because that's really not how you use Twitter. But I'll like someone's tweet if they're coming onto something. Like when I had posted a reaction on that Friday morning, uh, it was almost like a facepalm. It was like, okay, I here's what's coming out. Because it wasn't until Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening, where I confirmed the second and third source that it was actually going to be Brian Flores. And I hadn't done a ton of research on Flores at that time. And I was like, okay, he is not the popular opinion by far. And Dolphins fans are going to erupt when this becomes public. So when I had posted that face palm out there, people had started responding to it. And I didn't really get into details, but people were saying, oh, is it Brian Flores? And I was liking those tweets to kind of give them a hint. Yes, you're getting in the right direction. So yes, sign. while they do it to me, I'll do it to them as well. It's just fun. Well, and think about this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Matthew, but didn't you notice that like Tom Garfinkel liked a tweet involving Brian Flores? <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so so there's <laughs> yes. some foreshadowing too. So if Tom Garfinkel likes a tweet about something, he's probably telling us the truth. He definitely and slipped I, up. <laughs> definitely slipped up. Uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up, because I don't want to throw Tom under the bus. But since you brought we it up, we love him, man. He he's, if anything, it's he's a god for doing that. I mean, how you, how you, how 
Like that's that's an I don't. He may he may have done it by accident. I'm not totally that, sure he did of it. Of course, purpose. yes, yes. There's always the certainty that he may have slipped while he was on his treadmill, <laughs> sculpting his semi-perfect body. Have we sucked up to him enough now that we're, we're out of the doghouse? So yeah, um, basically, for those who don't know, and I had put this screenshot up there for a little bit, and I deleted it because I didn't want to get anyone in trouble, you know. I wasn't really sure the whole story behind it, but someone had tweeted to me. I forget who it was at this point, but there was a discussion going on about Brian Flores and someone had tweeted to me. uh, They tagged me in it. They tagged um, some others in it. And basically it was just saying that Brian Flores is the leading candidate to be the Dolphins head coach. And I think this was on Wednesday of that week or so Tuesday or Wednesday. And then a little while later, I get a DM from that person who tagged me saying, look at Tom Garfinkel just liked my tweet, which was tagging me and others linking to the tweet that said Brian Flores is leading candidate. And then me, I'm like, whoa, why would he like that tweet? So I screenshotted it just to have it for future reference. I threw it up on my on my feed because Tom does follow me on Twitter. Um, so we know he's out there searching what Dolphins fans are saying about Brian Flores and others and the whole organization as a whole getting a pulse on the fan base, which is a good thing to do. And then I tweeted it out. And then within 20 minutes, the tweet was unliked by Tom. So at the time it was like, okay, he's trying, he may be trying to tell us something. He may have slipped up. Who knows, but this is fun. And at that point I had heard Brian Flores was a leading candidate, but I couldn't confirm with another source. Um, And then it just kind of came into focus from that point forward. But it's definitely a game. It's stressful. And it's stressful in the sense because, you almost feel a responsibility to report this information out to people. And at the same time, you're putting yourself way out there for everyone to see. At this point, you know, I'm looking at my Twitter profile right now. I have over 8,000 followers and I'm very thankful that 8,000 of you plus want to listen to my nonsense. But when I put something out there, I've realized, and I'm not trying to be here and be pompous or whatever. I'm just speaking the truth. But I'm at the point now where if I put something out there, people who follow me and within Dolphins Twitter and little other uh, areas on Twitter, little other little pockets, people run with what I say from now on. And I had tweeted something a few weeks ago, and it was an opinion, and it could have been construed as inside information, and I forget what it was. But after about 15 minutes, I deleted it because I saw some people starting to run with it, and I wasn't really sure that I was comfortable with that being run with. So I took it down, but you know, when I put out that inside information out there, it's run with, and if it's wrong, I know I'm going to hear about it. So usually now I I need to make sure that I'm really comfortable with what I'm reporting out there. So when it does happen, you know, people can look at me as a credible source and as someone who really does have the inside information, someone who does have the scoop. And and I do think Sun and House, my tracker does speak for itself. So I'm very proud of that. I haven't missed a ton. I have missed a few. Haven't missed a ton. And, you know, I just hope to continue to gain sources moving forward and continue with the inside information reporting. I know. I'm a, I'm a proud dad. And when I see anybody disagree with you on Twitter, I just get a little bit sad inside. I hope everybody will come to their senses. You're my boy, Blue. Haters going to hate. That's all I got to say. Speaking of haters going to hate, the Patriots are coming as the underdogs this weekend against the Chiefs. 
and they have brought the insufferable level to new highs. Julian Edelman releasing a T-shirt here on Wednesday night saying, bet against us. I mean, just when you think you couldn't hate the Patriots anymore, they come out with this crap. I hope the Patriots get smashed on Sunday. I don't care that Brian Flores, his defense may get smashed. I don't care if it looks bad on him. One game ain't going to decide nothing for his future and his success. It's not like if he shuts him down, he's going to be the best coach ever. It's not like if he gets blown out, he's going to be the worst coach ever. I hope the Patriots get smashed on Sunday. I don't want to see them in the Super Bowl. I want to see a Chiefs versus Saints Super Bowl. I want to see Drew Brees right off into the sunset with the Lombardi Trophy, hang up the cleats, and end his career on the highest note possible. Your okay. prediction, your storylines, house. I just, I just want to ask you both a question. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm in favor of this, but if the Patriots win the Super Bowl, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick both retire, would you then want the Patriots to win the Super Bowl? Absolutely. If you told me, if they came out this weekend, Saturday, Friday, whatever, and said, we will retire, Brady, Belichick, Gronk, I'll become the biggest Patriots fan ever. So, uh, man, I'm really torn because part of me is like, yes, just get it over with, you know. But a part of me, the competitor in me, wants to beat them while they're still there and and steal the throne from them, not just like kind of be handed it over to us. Yeah, I'm not sure we're stealing it from them anytime soon. But honestly, I, I mean, if you could guarantee it, I, I think I'd probably be with Kanata on this. I mean, F Tom Brady, us rooting for something is really not going to make the biggest difference. But it, it would be so great to see that breaking news. You know, Tom Brady retires, Belichick retires, Gronk goes to uh, WWE, he's going to become a wrestler. I mean, that would be awesome to see. But my real predictions, I'm going to have to say, I'm, I'm hoping we see a Rams Chiefs Super Bowl. Uh, I just think. I think it's going to end up being Saints Patriots, and I'm sad for that. That would be you know, sad. You know what? My dad, Bob Sutton's the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he is going <laughs> to draw up one hell of a game plan this Sunday. And I think it's going to be a nickel blitz. There's going to be a strip sack. It's going to make a huge play for Kansas City. They're going to win 31-30. Now think about it. Week six – they were in Foxborough 43 to 40. They put up 40 points there. I don't know if a, if Ryan Tannehill put up 40 points in his entire Dolphins quarterback ship in Foxborough. I don't know if they put up 40 points. So I think that's pretty impressive in itself, and I really do think that this Chiefs team can win. So so real quick, I just Googled Bob Sutton, and uh, I need to ask, is, is that really your dad? Because uh, I can see the resemblance, and – it would be crazy if you were holding out on us this all along, you know? Yeah, it'd be like that guy that you've been friends with that's real humble, and then you find out 20 years later. <laughs> his his dad's a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, a defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Well, you never asked the que- You never answered the question. <laughs> yeah, stop being around the <laughs> Yeah, he is your dad, isn't no, he? I'm going to let you stew on it. Oh, man. We are talking to the son of the Chiefs defensive coordinator, Bob Sutton. Wow. Damn, dude, it's Suna's birthday. How else do you think I get inside info? <laughs> Freaking Bob Sutton. Bob Sutton's headshot looks like the meanest dude ever. We know Sutton's not that mean. Well, see, um, I grew weary of my father's uh, 
intimidation tactics. And so I developed a more docile approach. Sign, we love you. Anyways, <laughs> no, what, you what is your Super Bowl prediction? Your championship prediction, your Super Bowl prediction. I'll start. I predict with my heart that the Chiefs will beat the Patriots, the Saints will beat the Rams, and the Saints will beat the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Houts. Yeah, I mean, I got to be that guy. I'm thinking Saints, Pats. Saints beat the Pats. That's it. I got Kansas City winning 31-30, and I got New Orleans winning 38-35 this Sunday. And I think that Andy Reid is going to get the schneid off his back, and Pat Mahomes is going to tie a neat little bow on one of the more magical seasons we've seen from quarterback. A lot of hysteria around this young man, and a lot of – and I, I hate to say this just because he's our dude, but the the hysteria reminds me of my dad telling me about Dan Marino when he came out. Yeah. Yeah, and well, I think we're all Chiefs fans, right? I mean, we want our head coach, we want that that we want that staff assembled before things start to get serious. Yeah, I would love to have Brian Flores in Miami this coming week. It's just it's just good for everybody involved. This coming Sunday, 3.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Fox. The Rams versus Saints at 6.40 on CBS. The Patriots versus the Chiefs. Super Bowl will be set as of 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Sunday. And then hopefully we have our man Brian Flores down in Miami next week as he begins his reign as Miami Dolphins head coach. We'll be coming back next week with all the latest information regarding the Miami Dolphins. We are sure more coach leaks are coming as we try to put the pieces together and connect all the dots there are until it all becomes official. For Joshua Houts and Aaron Sutton, I am Matt Canada. Thank you for listening to Finsider Radio. We will talk to you next time. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. The greatest football team We take the ball from goal to goal Like no one's ever seen We're in the air, we're on the ground We're always in control And when you say Miami You're talking Super Bowl Cause we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins Miami Dolphins number one Miami Dolphins, 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 Miami Dolphins,
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. 